Hello, Dirty Linen listeners. It's Danny Valent here with you. Uh, thank you for being with me. And it is me. It's just me today. I thought I would have a little chat to you and talk about some of the stories I've been writing and even read a restaurant review. Wonder what you think about that. I'd love to know what you think about the podcast on any occasion, but particularly when we're doing something a little bit different. Please let me know. Do you like it? Do you want more of this kind of stuff? What would you like to hear? We're, we're in a conversation and I would love you to be part of it. So what have I been writing about? So much, actually. It's been quite busy. Uh, my recent reviews have included Commie, which is a new wine bar in Collingwood. You know when you walk into a place and it just feels right and you know that the people behind it have created it with intention. Uh, maybe it's... Maybe they've got a lot of experience. Maybe they've just got a really clear vision, but somehow it's all come together. Uh, that's what I felt at Commie and that warm embrace was certainly carried through in the food and the drink. Um, another place I reviewed recently was Tai Tai. So Tai Tai is a restaurant that so many people in Melbourne experienced Vietnamese food for the first time in, and it's had various iterations. There was Tai Tai 1, there was Tai Tai 2, there was Toto, uh, part of the same family of restaurants, and now there is Tai Tai Counter and Canteen, um, the latest iteration of a restaurant that has such a special place in Melbourne's heart. I reckon it was the first place that I ever saw Vietnamese mint and understood the concept of wrapping up spring rolls in a lettuce leaf. Um, and I still remember the thrill of that. So it was really wonderful to encounter that restaurant again. It was great, uh, but also chat to the family behind it. And when I was chatting to Twee, who's um, one of the daughters of the original founding parents, she was like texting me newspaper clippings from like the like from 30 years ago uh, and it really made me reflect on I guess the importance that um, newspaper articles or online articles can have on a business and a family. Uh, I always try to do my best but um, I guess I felt even an extra uh, spur to honour the legacy and the story <clears throat> of this restaurant and the family behind it and its special place in Melbourne's heart uh, with my words. Um, so I guess that's a, I, an example of a classic Asian restaurant that's really like killing it in contemporary in a contemporary city. But I went to another place recently that is a, a very modern, very cutting edge, and that place is Foodle. Foodle is, it's a shop, it's a restaurant, it's, you can think of it as the Asian version of Italy. It just has everything in it, sushi counter, bakery, uh, dumpling factory, live seafood, Wagyu station, you can choose, point to a fish and they'll cook it for you, uh, as well as <laughs> the bulk of the store is taken up with a, a supermarket, an Asian supermarket with 13,000 lines and they're only just getting started so it's at high point there's going to be one at the Glen uh soon as well uh, I just think it's a very exciting business for Melbourne <clears throat> really just you can spend half a day there it's absolutely awesome 
I also wrote about an Italian restaurant called Rochella recently and asked the age-old question, is it okay to put pineapple on pizza? <laughs> Listen back for more on this question um, with my chat with um, Mariano De Giacomi. Um, he's not from Rochella, but he certainly has opinions about pineapple on pizza. Um, but, yeah, the chef there, Francesco Crifo, he's a pizza chef. He's really putting so much artisan attention into his pizza um, and it's a super well-run restaurant. Something I found really interesting about that is that um, a couple of the owners uh, have a background at Schnitz, the Schnitzel franchise, um, and I think you can really feel the kind of systems and smarts of that type of business that is brought more into a restaurant uh that's, you know, looking after its neighbourhood. It's super well run. So, again, I guess going back to that first point about Kami, just a real a restaurant that really knows what it is and that's such a different business. This is an all-day, um, seven-day-a-week, uh, you know, whatever you want, we'll, it's it's happening um, happening at Rochella. But, yeah, I guess they're two really good examples of people who are doing things so differently but both really looking after their communities. Absolutely love it. <laughs> Sorry, I promise I won't do any more English accents. I also wrote recently about truffles and truffle oils and whether it's ever okay to use it. Uh, basic consensus from chefs is, nah, it's not okay. Um, but you, what you do need to do is get fresh truffle and use it wisely. I think truffle is still one of those ingredients that a lot of people are nervous about using in their own cooking. Um, and truffle oil seems like a really accessible way to start to approach it. And I think that is that was the message that came through. Truffle oil can be a pretty good gateway to the use of truffles and feeling more familiar with them, but it's actually not a, a real experience of the truffle flavour. Um, and, yeah, truffles are expensive if you think about them by the kilo, but if you think about them by the gram, let's say $2 thereabouts, um, yeah, it's actually not, not, it's not too bad. You can um, perhaps experiment with a little bit of truffle. Uh, so, yeah, I've also been doing a lot of um, – food cooking recipe stories at the moment and one that's had a really fantastic response is chatting to four of Australia's best chefs and asking them to bedazzle a supermarket uh, barbecued chook. I was amazed when I chatted to Coles for this story and they told me that barbecue chicken was their second most sold item last year after bananas. I was blown away. I couldn't believe that. Um, and it's consistently in the top three items sold in, in supermarkets. Wow. So people are really getting into these cooked chickens. And I thought it was really fantastic to hear from Ben Greeno, Karen Martini, Junda Ku, and Jerry Mai to see how they would bedazzle the bachelor's handbag. Uh, really clever. They, were, they had restrictions. They could only use five other ingredients plus pantry staples. And, um, yeah, they were great. Like we've got a baked rice dish. Um, we've got a sort of grape and chicken salad-y thing from Ben. Uh, Junda did a, um, a beautiful take on a Malaysian dish and Jerry did a gorgeous leek uh, pasta. So they're really different recipes and, and really, really fun. 
Uh, I also have been testing slow cookers, pressure cookers and different casserole pots uh, in a couple of different road tests. And, yeah, I haven't had much experience with slow a slow cooker before, but it was very interesting to um, get, let it go head-to-head with um, expensive and cheaper uh, stovetop or oven casserole dishes. And guess what won? The old school casserole. It slayed. Uh, yeah, I found the slow cooker okay, but I just didn't find the flavours as concentrated Um uh, all the textures as pleasing as in the casserole. So slow cooker, okay, and, of course, very practical if you need to, like, leave, be out of the house all day and you want something warm and yummy to come back to. Uh, it certainly does the job, but it was really interesting to um, to find the flavours so much better developed in casserole. Um, I also tested a pressure cooker and even though I was – literally terrified and had to sit on the far side of the room the first time that I used it to cook chickpeas and was googling you know is your pressure cooker going to explode if it's hissing (laughs) I came to love it a little bit uh I reckon for chickpeas especially it's great because um my uh way of cooking chickpeas is to forget to soak them and then open some tins so to know that I could pressure cook chickpeas from dry to beautiful and luscious and ready for hummus in about 30 minutes was a bit of a revelation I also found it brilliant for dal um, and good for rice once I got my head around how to do it. It cooked quinces really quickly, which was fantastic, and it made just a really gorgeous pea and ham soup. Absolutely loved it. So I think I will read my review of Kami um, because I had so much fun writing about it. Sometimes uh, it's as much fun to write about a restaurant as to eat in it, which is lucky because I have to do a lot of writing. Not have to. I love it. I still feel lucky every week. So here with my review of Kami. I'm not a terrible eavesdropper, but I am keen to know what those two men are talking about. They are so avid and engaged, sitting at Kami, a new bar that feels like it's been crafted for repartee. If only conversation could be shaken out like a tablecloth and the words shared with those around. The men leave, silver foxes scattering confidential chickens into the chill night. Kami is a new project by a trio of alumni from Gerald's Bar, the Carlton North Institution that anoints the act of gathering, making every night feel like a fresh coronation for humanity. This new walk-in bar is a similar and different third space, warm and flexible, a peon to the best in us. Co-owner Daniel Doherty took his first bar job at 16 and worked at Gerald's for 11 years. For him, Kami is an inevitability, a place to express hospitality and finally unbox his collection of cocktail paraphernalia. The site, the old son-in-law space, had good bones. The new team warmed up the skeleton, softened it with timber, leather, art and music and gave it the ability to hug anyone who walks in. The drinks list is a wry shortcut to stripping away wine wankery. There is a traditional version arranged by variety and an expressionist list categorised by mood, maybe drinking with the in-laws, cork dorks and 
I like a firm embrace. Australian wine regions are given their Indigenous names. It's joyous, pointed and real. Gabrielle de Mello Frere is also an owner. Trained as a chef, but was distracted by coffee, drinks and service before being lured back to the kitchen. Working alongside Chef Evan Clark, his food is homely and thoughtful. Corn is popped in a cute machine. Charred leek is daubed with miso. There's honour for the environment in a leaning to wild meat such as venison and canny deployment of scraps. Vegetables used in chicken stock are repurposed for chicken soup croquettes. Excess milk is turned into ricotta nudie. Staff meals are shared with diners, maybe mussels in broth or spelt risotto. In a peek behind the scenes, that is also a signal of respect to the team. Co-owner Adina Weinstein-Melder comes from a family of art dealers and she's working on an art list to keep the wine list company. There are lithographs by Miro, Picasso and Dali on the walls and originals from local artist chef Philippa Sibley. Everything is for sale. Bartender Tom Hope is also an artist. Between making spicy, frothy butter beers and thinks, the gin cocktail you have while you're thinking about what to drink, he will slowly draw a picture of the bar on wood panelling in the rear courtyard. Commy is generous and suddenly crucial. A warm and wonderful salon for conversation and commingling. What a place. What a place indeed. That was fun to write and it was fun to read. Um, I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Uh, I'm going to let you get on with your day in a sec. But before I go, I did want to say uh, that I have started a campaign around the referendum for an Indigenous voice to Parliament. It is called hashtag foodies for yes. Uh, I'm not a massive fan of the word foodies, but it just does roll together really nicely. So I would love you to join me in supporting pledging to support and perhaps to speak to people about the referendum and, uh, yeah, just explain why you are voting yes. I'm voting yes uh, because it's a real, this is, it seems like a really simple, practical step um, that uh, all Australians can take to walk together with um, First Nations people who were here first and are not recognised in the Constitution. Um, there are... I mean, some people have had misgivings about the idea that there's this direct line to power from Indigenous people. I feel like there are lobbyists walking around Parliament House all the time. There are people who can pay $10,000 to have dinner with parliamentarians. Uh, there are all kinds of influences brought to bear on our politicians. Uh, I think this is a really beautiful, transparent um, way of letting Indigenous people advise the government about issues that impact them. It's really simple. It's not scary at all. It's just a nice, generous way that we can walk together. So foodies for yes, um, use the hashtag, um, download a poster or some postcards, maybe put them in your restaurant. Uh, yeah, think about it, talk about it. Let's do this. Um, all right, I will see you back on Dirty Linen in your ears. Uh, as often as you want. Thanks for listening. Lots of love. I really appreciate your ears and your time. See ya.
This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.